This is Shelly Jansen with Real Estate Cafe and Luxury Partners Realty. Today I'm here with Mike Rao of the mortgage firm to talk about what first-time home buyers need. Typically, when I work with a first-time home buyer, they think that the first step is just looking for homes. And yet there's a whole set of circumstances that you need to go through and information that you might come up, you must come up with in order to get the process going. So Mike is going to help us today figure out what you do before you actually start on the process of looking for a home. Mike. How are All right, you today? So I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm really uh, excited to be here with you. And this is a very interesting topic and a, a unique way of um, presenting it. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, first time home buyers, I think it's a natural kind of inclination to just start looking at homes, right? You do it and yeah. very easy these days, like um, online, you can see what's available in the market and you're trying to hone in on neighborhoods. And the thing that you're you run the risk of is looking at something that you actually can't buy. And so maybe that's based on price points or it's maybe based on the type of home it is. So uh, it's really important before you start what I would call the serious house hunting, right? Serious house hunting to me means like you're past the online stage and you're actually scheduling appointments to go look at homes. You're yeah. visiting open houses. Like you're really getting down to, um, <clears throat> am I going to find the home that I want to live in. And so before you get that far, and certainly before you're entering contracts, like making offers, you have to yeah. know where you stand. If you need a loan, right? If you need financing, you have to know where you stand as far as getting approved for financing. Um, so for me, I'm the loan guy. I want that to be the very first step. Like if I, if I were in the buyer's shoes, especially first time home buyers, I would talk to a lending professional before I even started looking online. Absolutely. Right. Cause you yeah. have to know, you yeah. have to really know what price point you're exactly. at. Kind of the yeah. important thing. Yeah. And so it's really critical that you're working with somebody who knows what they're doing and the goal of the pre-approval process, right? So that the, you, you get pre-approved, right? You're trying to get pre-approved for financing. The goal of that is so that you know, and the professionals you're working with, your real estate agent, um, the listing agent on the other side of the transaction, uh, the sellers that are considering your offer, everybody has to know that you're actually going to be able to close on the deal. Yeah, of course. Right? So what information do you, does a, a buyer need to submit to you in order to get a pre-approval? Well, okay. So the pre-approval process is about answering three like general overall questions. Number one, do you qualify for a loan from a credit perspective? Right? So we're looking at credit scores, credit history for all of the borrowers on the loan. It could be an individual, could be a couple, whatever. Um, so quite, quick question. Yeah. So do you recommend to the, that the buyer actually research their own credit beforehand um, or wait until you do it? I think it's certainly good to be aware of your credit. And these days there's a lot of online tools uh, where you can monitor your credit. And so I definitely like the fact that borrowers are much more informed in the modern era than they were pri prior, right? And so mm -hmm. they, they know where they stand. But ultimately you want a lending professional to analyze your credit to make sure that you qualify, right? Because it's all about, it's not just about the credit score. It's also credit scores, credit history, sure, yeah. right? So number one, do you qualify from a credit perspective? Question number two that we're trying to answer in the pre-approval process is what mortgage payment do you qualify for, right? And a lot of people have heard the term debt to income, yeah. but essentially that's what we're looking at, your debt compared to your income. And we're trying to determine, okay, this is the maximum mortgage payment or housing obligation that you qualify for. Once you have that number, you can then project up to 
a loan amount and purchase price zone, mm-hmm. right? But ultimately, you qualify for a payment. Right. And that's a lot. That's one thing that a lot of people don't understand well, especially first-time homebuyers. Um, and the the third question we're trying to answer is what type of loan is going to work best for your situation. Sometimes that's based on down payment. Sometimes it's based on credit. But ultimately, we determine what type of loan works best. So. In order to answer those three general questions, and this kind of leads to your question of like, what information needs to be submitted or yeah. transferred yes. over, uh, I basically need to uh, know and document who you are, where you've lived, what do you do for work, or what are your sources of income, and then how much money do you have kind of earmarked or set aside for the purchase, for the for this transaction, and where that money lives, right? Whether it's in checking, savings accounts, is it in investment vehicles, is it in equity in a home that you're selling? That wouldn't apply for first-time home buyers. But um, so basically, I just talk to you, right? And I you're kind of filling out a loan application and um, analyzing credit, analyzing income and debt, figuring out your cash position, and then you have a pre-approval with solid information. And you know, number one, do you qualify? And number two, the parameters under which you should be searching for your home. So submitting would be a driver's license to submit, substantiate who you are. Sure. Your W-2s, if you're an employee. It depends. Like the income document, the income documentation is going to depend on how you make your money. Okay. Tax returns. Are you asking? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. And what else do you need to submit? Maybe bank statements. Bank statements. Asset statements. Okay. You know, financial Mm -hmm. statements. So you get Um, a clear picture of what you are, what you look like financially. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of this is you can get an answer to the pre-approval question without submitting like everything. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. I basically just need to have confidence that this is the income you make. This is the money you have. Right, credit's going to work itself out uh, based on the credit report. But at some level during the process, an underwriter is going to want a lot of documentation to substantiate that the information on the loan application is accurate. Exactly. Right. So your name, Shelly Jansen. Okay, let me see a driver's license that corroborates that piece of information. Exactly. Yeah. So, and how long does this process take? I mean, the pre-approval process uh, is really so. I would typically have like a 10, 15 minute conversation on the phone where I'm gathering information, right? Mm-hmm. Based on that information, I will request documents from you. It could be something as simple as, let me see your driver's license and your latest month of pay stubs and your W-2s and maybe a bank statement, mm-hmm. right? So that it could be as simple as that. So as soon as you get me those documents, I'll have the answer to what are you approved for? So Immediately? Uh, next day. I mean, oh, it could okay. be the same yeah. day. Oh, it could okay, be next great. day. Yeah. It just kind of mm-hmm. depends. But yeah, mm-hmm. it can be a very quick process. And, you know, unless you have something super tricky where maybe I need to analyze multiple years of tax returns, maybe, you know, there's, there's not a lot that I haven't seen. So, uh, it can, the answer to do you qualify and for how much, you know, what kind of price point should you be shopping? And we can have that answer very quickly. And do you suggest that people, um, well, actually people ask me this question a lot. How many points does this detract from my credit report once you pull the person's credit? You know, that's, that's a good question. A lot of people uh, have that concern because you do what's called a hard inquiry. Right. And when you have a hard inquiry, meaning you've, you've done a, a mortgage pull from all three bureaus, your scores... Not on the report that I get, but anybody who pulls after me, kind of, yeah. there's a little bit of nuance there. Okay. We'll yeah. probably like drop three to five points. Okay. Right. And so yeah. to me, like the advantage of allowing a professional to pull your credit is to get an accurate answer to, are you qualified for a loan and kind of to, to get the pre-approval. 
the the con side is you might lose a couple points on your credit report. Right. So to me, it's like much more important to know where you stand, especially if you're on the edge of like maybe your credit's right on the edge of either qualifying or not. So you need somebody to tell you that. And you. so I guess my point is you shouldn't be too concerned about the, the points that you lose on the hard inquiry. Yeah. Now, when you're talking to multiple lenders, a lot of people think, well, Am exactly. I going to get that yes. hit multiple times? Yeah. And the answer is no. If you're, as long as you're within a shopping window, yeah. which I've heard four yeah. weeks, I've also heard six weeks. I don't right. really know hundred percent, but if you're shopping for mortgages, you're talking to different lenders and we're all pulling your credit, we're all going to get the pretty much the same report, right? If we, if we pull it within, sure. within a week, it should be the same report. If a couple weeks pass, it's possible that other things change in your credit profile. You might have made payments on credit cards. You might have, you know, oh, that's leads used to another card, great, things like that. What are the things? Well, I have so many questions. Okay. Okay. So first question would be, so then do you suggest to people don't uh, buy anything expensive? Don't change your, your payment schedules to anything because yeah. we want to keep your credit number consistent. I think the, um, the, the so once we have you pre-approved, mm-hmm. And we know where you stand. A lot of people ask me, well, how long is that pre-approval good exactly. for? Exactly. Right? That, which, was, which that was my next question. That, that yeah. question, which is, as long as your situation remains fairly static, yeah. the pre-approval is good forever. Right? It doesn't matter, right? I'll have to re-pull credit, I'd say, after four months or something. But as long as your income situation doesn't change, right? as long as your debt profile, which goes to your question, yes. doesn't change, yeah. then you're qualified for the same payment. Okay, so right. you would have to re-pull their credit in four months' time. So I, if I pull a credit report, uh, it's good for me for four months, which means okay. we have four months to close. Right? Exactly. Now, if our yeah. close date happens to fall outside of that four-month window, at some point I'll have to re-pull credit uh, so that we we will go beyond that yeah. that time frame. But usually okay. that's uh, – if people are at the serious house hunting stage, four months is a pretty – you know, it's usually enough time from the start of the pre-approval yeah. to, to closing. Yeah. Right. Okay, great. Um, but you know, if in the middle of the process or even leading up to the process, I would say you want your income to be as high as possible. You want your mandatory debt obligations, right? Your, your monthly payments to be as low as possible. And the reason for that is you want to qualify for as much for the, as possible, as much as possible <laughs> exactly. right? It doesn't yeah. mean you have to push up that high, exactly. yeah. but it's yeah. nice to have the qualify yeah. and then you're deciding yeah. like kind of, yeah. kind of where to draw the line. Yeah. 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 So, if you have the choice of going out and getting your new car and, a, and, the, and the resulting car payment, and I would say, do you want to do that leading up to the, the home shopping process? Or maybe if you could push it off, do it after, after. you bought your home. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, do yeah. it after, yeah. do it after, yeah. right? Some people that's not going to be an issue. Some people are very, very tight on their ratios, meaning their debt to income ratios. And so you want as little debt as possible. Sure. Yeah. Okay. One last thing I want to cover because uh, a lot of buyers will say, uh, well, I've saved enough for down payment on a house. And then I'll always follow that up with, well, have you saved money also for closing costs? Yeah, yeah. And then when they hear how much closing costs are, some people are shocked. Yeah. Not only shocked, maybe it puts them into a state, well, geez, I don't have enough. Exactly. And how long did it yeah. take me to accumulate what I do have? Exactly. And you can be like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be hard. So, so what percentage of the price of the home would you guesstimate closing costs to be? You know what? I can't give you a percentage. Okay, because a lot of the costs are fixed and don't scale up with the price of the home or the loan amount that you're doing. So okay. whether you're doing a hundred thousand dollar loan 
or a $500,000 loan, the fee related to the closing cost related to your lender, uh, with the exception of if you're like buying down an interest rate with points or whatever, the fee is going to be fixed, right? It's going to be static. So maybe it's $1,500 and it doesn't matter what size home you're buying. So I can't give a percentage on it. Uh, my best advice is to do something what I call know your numbers, which is you're working with professionals who can provide you not only your down payment, that one's easy to figure out. Yeah. What are the closing costs on top? And you have a way of kind of dynamically accessing that information. And so, do you supply that to the buyer? Absolutely. When you okay, so I great. give you yeah. guys tools, both agents and buyers tools, yeah. where on the fly, you can do, it's like a mortgage calculator, mm -hmm. but it's also a closing cost calculator. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a big advantage that I have in my tool bag where I can do that while you're actively shopping. You can like plug in numbers yes. for a specific home. Yeah. So I would say closing costs are going to be in the thousands somewhere between say six and 12,000, just depending on some of that stuff will scale with the price and some of it's going to be fixed. Okay. On top of the down payment requirement. Exactly. Yeah. So um, again, like one of the things that's so confusing to buyers, they think they have the down payment. Then they, um, when I ask them about their closing costs, and that's a complete enigma to them, and they look at a closing statement maybe online and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I have no idea what any of this is. And I had no idea how expensive this was all um, going to cost me. So again, Mike is going to explain that when you're a new buyer, exactly what your money, what money you need um, and uh, how to get it started that way. So you, you really know that when you get out there and you're looking for a home, all of your resources are in place. Mike. Yeah, I mean, what a great, um, what a great topic. And there's just so much uh, mystery, right? Or mystique around like, okay, well, what's it going to cost? And I think, like what you said, I think it's always, for most times, unless you're really experienced, it's going to be a surprise how much money it takes to buy a home. Yeah. And this is the money that's on top of the down payment. And so my question is like, well, okay, if, it's, if you're going to be surprised, when do you want that surprise? Right. And so, <laughs> right. I want that surprise as early as possible. Oh, yes. I don't want to be yeah. emotionally or financially invested in a specific property and get surprises like that. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to what I say, just a, a very simple motto, know your numbers, right? If you know your numbers, that means you have information and you can make an informed decision about the home that you're going to buy. Mm -hmm. And so, and it might even uh, be to the point where you say, well, we're not buying that home because of this information, right? Or this is, these ones are contenders because we know our numbers. Yeah. So closing costs, um, you'll see on the closing sheet, you mentioned that you're a professional, right? I see many professionals who just look at that and their eyes kind of glaze over. Like they don't like, yeah, what like is this? A stamp tax. What, yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially what if you're a home buyer who's new to Florida and you're not familiar with a documentary stamp tax, exactly. right? So I cost, was one of them. <laughs> you have, so you have your down payment percentage. That's an easy number to calculate, right? It's some percentage of sure. the purchase price. Yeah. 10%, 20%, whatever it is. Sure. Um, the closing costs come from three sources. There's always going to be three sources, especially if you're doing a loan with financing. I'm sorry, you're doing a purchase with financing. You're getting a loan. <laughs> Those three sources are number one, the lender who is doing your loan. There's going to be fees associated with using that particular lender. Sure. They're going to vary slightly from lender to lender, but they're all there. There's some sort of lender-based fees. The second source for closing costs is the title company that's closing your transaction. These are professionals. They have responsibilities. They're getting paid for their work. So the give, settlement agent. Give me like a little bit of, you know, actual numbers. So Let's, title. Uh, approximate. I know these yeah, are approximate. Yeah, it's, it's hard to do that. at least it gives that. somebody to thinking. Um, is it? 
Yeah, so well, title title companies will typically have like a settlement fee, a settlement fee. and then they have title insurance. Yes, fees. those are the two the, big ones. The settlement fee should be fixed. The title insurance fees are going to scale with the purchase price of the home, excuse me, and the loan amount that you're borrowing. Those are kind of percentage based. So, and some people are like, well, what's title insurance? Title insurance is essentially an insurance that insures both the lender and you as the owner or the potential homeowner uh, against claims on title from the past that could um, interfere with your legal ownership of the property. Exactly. So it's an yeah. insurance policy to make sure that you're going to remain the owner. You're not buying somebody else's home. They didn't have to Or lean to against the property. Yeah. So it's an insurance policy. Yeah. It is required. Um, so it's hard to put an exact number on it. Let's just say the source of the closing costs, you have lender related fees. You have the settlement company that's doing your transaction. The third source is the county that you're closing in. And so each county is going to have fees, documentary tax stamps. These are fees associated with buying and selling real estate in the county that you're purchasing it. Um, on top of those closing costs, you also have a section that I call prepaid items. The biggest ticket item in the prepaid category is you pay for homeowner's insurance, right? It's required to have insurance, especially if you're, well, it's only required if you're doing a loan, right? If you're buying cash, it's optional, right? So, uh, that first year of homeowner's insurance is paid for at closing. So if it's a $5,000 premium for the year of coverage, that's in your you're closing paying 5000 yes. at closing, right? Yeah. You have to prepay that. You can't yeah. get into like a monthly thing. And mm-hmm. some people get confused about escrows, but essentially you're paying for the first year of coverage at the closing table. So it's down payment, closing costs, prepaid items. All of those add up to what some is, number. What are some, what are the other big prepaid number? So taxes. Uh, yeah. If you're doing escrows, it has to do with whether you're escrowing or not. So escrowing, meaning you are putting money into an, a savings account with every mortgage payment. So without getting too complicated, the escrow account needs to have some money pumped into it to begin it to kind of establish it and give it a little bit of padding. So those are what I consider prepaid items. So a couple months worth of your insurance premium, a couple months worth of your property taxes. These are, this is padding. This is padding. In because, addition to. Yeah, exactly. So it's an addition to, it's called prepaid because you're not paying for services. You're paying for, in this case, insurance and property taxes. Mm-hmm. And so, and that, that money is into the escrow account, but it's for next year's bills. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's called padding. Yes, exactly. So you have your prepaid items on top of the closing costs on top of the down payment percentage. It's hard to put exact numbers on it, but what you do want to be able to do as a prospective buyer, homeowner is to be able to see those numbers as accurately as possible. And I would say in a timely fashion, meaning if you're to the stage where you're looking for a home, Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you take a nice couple and they're viewing five properties in a day. You're showing them properties. Wouldn't it be nice to have in the palm of your hand, hey, on this home, if I offer this amount, my payment's going to be this. My total buyer side cash requirements Brilliant. are going to yeah, be this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you want to be working with somebody who has that tool that they can make available yeah. to you. And I do. Yeah. And that, that, that puts me... Uh, in a different category than imagine you have that same couple, you're looking at five homes and you just have a pre-approval letter that says, you know, uh, pre-approved for 500,000. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't tell you what the payment's going to be. Exactly. That doesn't tell you yeah. the cash requirements. Right. Yeah. So it's very nice to have that information at your fingertips so that before again, you, you can put, make, even put in an offer. You can even do it before you go visit the home. Yeah. Right. What if yeah. you could run these numbers the night yeah. before and you mm-hmm. say, you know what, of those five properties, one of them is just not going to work. Right. Yeah. We don't want that payment. 
or we don't want to have to put all that money down. And you can eliminate it. So then you're not spending your time looking at homes. See, buyers, how much buy. you're learning right now? Because a buyer oh. has never asked me for that. Yeah. 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 And so great idea. the, the yeah. traditional way is like you get a pre-approval letter and then you're shopping based on that. But you really, so I do it differently because yeah. I want you to make good decisions. And especially if we're pushing your limits, either on the payment yeah, or the cash, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure we can actually do it. Yes. Like what yeah. is... What's yeah. the maximum you could offer on that home yeah. and still get qualified yeah, for your loan? Yeah, you don't want the pre-approval letter and then you're saying, okay, we can do this. And then all of a sudden find out, no, we really can't do this. I mean, because we were right on the edge. And especially after yeah. you've made an offer yeah, and perhaps yeah. put some money in the kitty and on yeah. money deposit yeah. Yeah, yeah. and perhaps even paid for inspections yeah. and appraisal. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, surprise, you actually can't buy this home. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Avoid that at yeah. all costs. Yes. And you do that by working with professionals who can kind of advocate for you, give you the information you need so that you are shopping with confidence that you can get to closing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. ABC, always be closing. Yes. Not in a sales context, but in a real no, estate context. Uh, knowledge is power. Yeah, absolutely. Walking in and letting people know exactly. Yeah. We don't need to see this house because it's something you're not going to qualify for. Yeah, I would yeah. say it's like, it's everyone's worst nightmare if you're in the middle of it. You're deep into it and you get a surprise that says you can't buy it. You can't close. Yeah. Right. Your real estate agent is going to be very uh, dejected <laughs> with that scenario. Well, doesn't I mean, mean the, you're not going to buy, buy something eventually, but holy yeah, cow, you were in there. Yeah, but there's the emotional investment. There's also the financial sure. investment. Yeah. So it just really makes sense to make sure it can happen as early as possible. Yeah. That's the goal. Okay. Oh, one one yeah. last question. Yeah. Uh, uh, one last question right this second. I'll probably have more in yeah. an hour, but sure. right now. So based on how much money you put down on a home, does that influence your interest rate? Um, yes. And that's, that's, uh, I wish it were the simple answer is yes, but it depends. So when you're in the conventional loan world, the down payment percentage or what we call loan to value LTV uh -huh is important in determining your final interest rate. Mm -hmm. Now, in the FHA world, the VA world, it's not as important. Okay, so, which we're gonna get to in our next video. Yeah, yeah, and also, you know, you reminded me, like we were talking about cash, and so once you know that number, Shelly, like mm -hmm. the question then becomes, well, where's it coming from, right? Do you have enough saved up mm -hmm. to do that? Do you, do you have enough saved up that you're willing to part with? Right. That's also an important question. You might have a bunch of money in the bank, but do you really want to part with it to buy this home? So um, when we talk about first time home buyers, one of the biggest hurdles is just the amount of money it takes to buy a home. And so luckily, uh, Florida is actually one of the leaders nationally about um, helping first time home buyers get over that hump. And uh, that, so there are programs are called down payment assistance programs or DPA. Uh, down payment assistance is essentially like typically it takes the form of a, a second loan or a grant mm -hmm. that um, you don't make payments on, but it stays attached to the home. But it could be something like $10,000 of help to get you to that you can use towards down closing payment, costs. closing costs, yeah, any, exactly. any of the, yeah. the cash requirements. Right. And oftentimes that's all that's needed, right? Credit is right. They qualify. Debt to income, they're into a payment that they're comfortable with that they qualify for. What about the cash? Yeah. And so oftentimes, especially first time home buyers, those down payment assistance programs can be critical to either allowing you to buy a home now or not. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Mike. That yeah. was fantastic. Yeah.